to first. Hello and welcome to the State of the NL West podcast. This is the Freeway Entrance. I'm Dusty Baker. Derek Johnson is merging along with me here. Derek, let's get right into it here. Okay, so I have to give you a little bit of background before we actually go into our fielder's choice. But this upcoming weekend, I plan on going around the San Luis Obispo area and I plan on interviewing people. And my interview question will be, are you voting for Mike Trout to be president in 2028? Derek, what are the odds that people actually believe Mike Trout is a political candidate and not the best baseball player of all time? You're still in, in kind of central Southern California. So, like, I, I think that probably one in every ten people for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one in five, to be honest. Like, I don't know where you're going to be. But there will be 100% people who don't know who Mike Trout is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably hit up the Cal Poly campus and uh, – yeah, I expect nothing but political answers and nothing revolving around baseball at that time. So with that in mind, okay, we're sticking with just the NL West, okay? Our fielder's choice, who has the most political name from these teams? I have a handful of names you can throw out or write in if you want. Uh, but the names that I just surveyed, two from each team, Justin Turner, Freddie Freeman, Joey Bartz, Brandon Crawford, Merrill Kelly, Ian Kennedy, Connor Joe, Kyle Freeland, Manny Machado, and Will Myers. All 10 of those names kind of stood out to me as names that could potentially be names of political candidates. Are those any options for you, or is there a write-in for you? Anything with the name Free in it. I could just see the Freddie Free man or Kyle Free land with, like, the American flag floating in the background on the commercial uh, I'd also put Joey Bart up there because of the fact that, you know, he had all this high potential, but it hasn't really been delivering. So that'd be perfect for a politician. Uh, but honestly, I don't know why. I can just like envision politician like state senator Merrill Kelly. Like Merrill just sounds very uh, political of a name. The one that was probably the stretch was Manny Machado. But I could see a regional, you know, district attorney kind of guy named Manny Machado uh, really bothering me with political calls every other day. So uh, that's where I kind of got into that. So do you have a write-in candidate? Logan Webb is a very, like, gregarious social guy. So, you know, maybe he'd, he'd smooth the right people over. I think uh, Justin Turner out of this crew would actually be the one that would be a political candidate. Um, but let's be honest, we're happy that they're baseball players and not bothering us with those phone calls. So with that being said, no more politics. We're going to go straight to our high tide headlines. And we're going to start with the LA Dodgers. They extended Blake Trinan. He is earning $8 million in 2023. He has an option in 2024. This might be a sign, Derek, that Blake Trinan's season could be over because obviously he's going to take the money that's given to him. Uh, they also signed Pedro Baez to a minor league deal and Clayton Kershaw is expected to throw a bullpen in a couple weeks. Any takeaways from there? I don't root against people. Like, I, I don't want them to fail. Now, you want, like, the team you root for to beat that other team. But, like, in Pedro Baez's case, I don't mean to be mean, but I do not want him coming up into the majors because the last thing I need is to be watching a Dodgers-Giants game or Dodgers-Padres, whoever, and see Pedro Baez pitch because the dude takes 80 seconds between each pitch. And I'll tell you what. I, I don't know if he will make it out of the minor leagues if he's pitching with the pitch clock on because he's going to have so many automated balls that go against him. Unless he – I don't know. Maybe that's for the best. Maybe that means he'll fix the, the speed and tempo of his game. Uh, but, yeah, uh, one thing we mentioned last week was Bruce Dargratterall and how he needs to step up in, in Blake Trinan's absence. Over the last week, 
He's got a uh, sub two ERA, so good things there. But yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on Blake Trinan's health because he is certainly a key pillar in that Dodgers bullpen. As a Dodgers fan, I can attest to the fact that Pedro Byers is way, way too deliberate. Um, yeah, that's actually a great point. The pitch clock might influence a guy like that too. Who knows? Maybe uh, that's the reason why he's struggled so much in addition to health as well. Okay, moving on to the San Diego Padres, Mike Clevenger. He is headed back to the IL for 15 days. Um, another just minor note, Trace Thompson, who, of course, was DFA'd. He is now signed with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, it seems like that project will never end with Trace. But what are your takeaways with Mike Clevenger headed back to the IL? He actually looked pretty good. I think 14 innings of work for him coming back from the injury, missing all of last year, missing the start to this season. Uh, FIP was under three. ERA looked pretty good. WHIP was nearing one flat. Uh, Caper nines over nine. So, like, everything you look at there statistically was looking pretty good for Mike Clevenger early on. I hope that he's all right. This is not the sign of, of a longer injury or more injury woes to come because it did seem like he was kind of getting back to being that guy that we remembered before he had the season-ending injury. The San Francisco Giants have Brandon Bell headed back to the 10-day IL. In addition to that, Kirk Asali has had a concussion. They DFA'd Luke Williams and the beloved Joe Panic, or lack thereof if you're a Dodgers fan. He has announced his retirement. First of all, tip a cap to Joe Panic. He was a huge threat to the Dodgers, especially on opening days for whatever reason. Yeah, he had that one series where the Giants beat the Dodgers as a two-game set to open the season. And they beat him twice, both one nothing, both off Joe Panic's solo home runs, including one against Clayton Kershaw. Uh, but the, the memory that sticks out to me the most for Joe Panic, 2014 World Series, Game 7, uh, there's a runner at first base and a sharp hit ground ball up the middle. He dives, picks it up, flips it out of his glove, and they barely get the double play. And it ends up that that saved a run in, in a one-run game. They won 3-2 to two in the end. That could have been the difference in them winning Game 7 and winning the World Series. So uh, hats off to Joe Panic. By all accounts, anyone you talk to, he's like one of the nicest guys on the planet. He's super social with everyone. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of things uh, accomplished for him, and he'll always uh, be remembered fondly by Giants fans. The Giants always have these scrappy second basemen. I think back to guys, uh, this is a righty hitter, so not necessarily a comp, but like Freddie Sanchez. Mm -hmm. um, that's another one that sticks out. And then, of course, now you have Tommy LaStella. So it just feels like Joe Panic was the perfect mold of what a San Francisco Giants second baseman was supposed to be. Okay, going to the Colorado Rockies, uh, a player that's not playing up to the potential that he's supposed to be playing at. That would be Chris Bryant, who still somehow does not have a home run on the season. He's headed back to the IL, Derek. He only lasted two days after returning from the IL. He has a lower back strain. Is he ever going to hit a home run this season? I mean, at this point, well, he's, he's on pace not to. Um, I, I wonder how much the Rockies are regretting it all going to sign – uh, Chris Bryant as opposed to Trevor Story. Yes, Bryant gives you more positional versatility, but also Trevor Story just seems to be aging better at this point in time. And that's even considering that Trevor Story isn't in Coors Field right now, whereas Chris Bryant is. Uh, it's hard for me to go too far into that just because it, it still is so early in the contract, but certainly the early returns don't look great for them there. Yeah, not a pretty sight at all. And Chris Bryant uh, was supposed to be the core piece in the middle of that lineup. 
Somehow the Rockies still producing runs, but obviously, as we're going to talk about a little later on, hasn't led to wins either. So having Chris Bryant's absence has definitely hurt Colorado, uh, especially lately with the fact that he hasn't really had a chance to be back out on the field. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, very small, underrated move here. They acquired Paul Fry from the Baltimore Orioles for a minor league righty, Luis Osorio. Paul Fry has been in high leverage situations in the past for the Orioles uh, later in relief. So kind of an interesting move there, Derek, especially for a bullpen that has really been reeling lately, uh, especially when you look at Mark Melanson pitching as poorly as he has. They are bottom five in the MLB in bullpen ERA, so it can't hurt. And you know what I always say, anytime you acquire Fry, that's a good thing. Do you always say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, that might be the most random thing that you have ever said. <laughs> All right, write that one down. <laughs> like you always say one time. That's like the first annual. Anytime somebody says first annual, my head explodes uh, because that's not a real thing. Okay, anyways, on that note, we are going to cruise the coast for the sixth time ever, and not the first time ever. Um, the NL West at this time is 124 and 94. So, Still 30 games over 500, a little bit more losses than what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. They're starting to return into somewhat of reality from top to bottom. Uh, but we're going to start out with the Hollywood Heaters. First place last week, first place this week. The LA Dodgers, 29 and 14 overall, four and two in their last six games. They swept Arizona at home in four. Then they won two of three at Philadelphia before winning two of three at Washington. Now they head to Arizona for four games. They have three at home versus the Pirates. And then a very intriguing series, four games at home against the New York Mets. Yeah, that should be a great one. Trey Turner is starting to heat up. His OPS still has yet to clear the 800 mark on the season, but he's hitting 333 over the last week, OPS over 900. So that's good news for the Dodgers. I still kind of, like you look at some of the, the baseball savant pages and the numbers on Gavin Lux. I'm still waiting for that kind of breakout to come. I thought it was happening earlier in the season, so I'm keeping an eye on that. But what, what is maybe the most interesting thing to me, you know, Walker Bueller and Julio Urias, they're still putting up good numbers so far this season. You look at the ERA and the whip and everything, they're still being very effective. Their K per nines, if you add them up, it is lower than Andrew Heaney. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not a lot of swings and misses for both starters. Uh, it's intriguing to me to look at that stat because last year both pitching more innings than they ever have in their career. I wonder if this is kind of a sign of maybe overusage from last season, if that's carrying over possibly. I'm not 100% certain. All you can really do for that is speculate. But they're still pitching decently well. It's just not, I guess, to the level – that we were hoping there's also a ton of pressure on both of them with the injuries to Kershaw and Heaney and the fact that there's really not an additional piece now with that in mind Anderson looks great in his most recent start going eight innings shutout baseball striking out eight so maybe he will be a key piece that they didn't expect I'm not sure but I could tell you this whenever Mookie Betts is playing at the potential that you know he can, this team will thrive. And that is what he's doing right now. He started out so poorly this season. All of a sudden, somehow, he is an MVP candidate based off what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. So really impressed to see what Mookie's been doing. 12 home runs on the season, uh, leading the NL at this time. Okay, moving on to the second place, San Diego Padres. They have also been looking pretty decent. Five and three in their last eight games, winning two of three at Philadelphia. Then they swept three at San Francisco before then 
facing the Brewers. They're in second at 28 and 16. Um, they will have three games at home versus the Pirates. They will have three on the road at St. Louis and four on the road at Milwaukee. That should be a challenging series. Actually, just a challenging road trip overall. I'm kind of lost on what to do with the Padres. I've always thought headed into the year that they were a playoff team. I've always thought that they were a good team. But right now, they're playing like a great team. They're playing like one of the best teams in the MLB. And we went into that series with San Francisco thinking, you know, the Giants are maybe a game or game and a half behind headed into the series. But the Giants have the much better run differential. And then they just dominated that series against the Giants. And so it's hard not to view that and say, okay, they are just uh, clear head and shoulders better there. But I look at the numbers and I'm still like, well, how are they this good? They're ninth in starter ERA so far this season, which that's a good number. But if you're 28 and 16 and you're middle of the pack in both bullpen ERA and WRC plus hitting the baseball, you would think, okay, well, that means the, the starting ERA has to be electric to carry those, those things up. And it's not. So like, I, I'm just trying to kind of piece together and figure out uh, how they're not just good. Because again, I thought they'd be good. But without Fernando Tatis, I didn't think they'd be great. And that's what their record indicates right now. They did lose the series to the Brewers. They fell two games out of three. So that is their one little downfall. Falling on the road, and that, that series on the road against Milwaukee should be a huge challenge for them. Uh, one thing to take out of that, though, Freddie Peralta will not be pitching. It sounds like he's got a pretty decent injury that's going to hold him out for a while. But they're going to have to face the bulk of the rotation that includes Burns and Woodruff as of right now. So should be interesting to monitor that at this time. The Golden Gate Gappers, your San Francisco Giants last week, third place this week, third place as well. They've been kind of on a downward trend, uh, two and four in their last six, 24-19 though overall. So still a solid playoff record. Uh, they won two of three in Colorado, but then they were swept by the Padres in three. Then they took two of three from the Mets at home. So kind of a weird roller coaster ride that they're going on right now. It looks like it might get a little easier for them in this next series, three on the road in Cincinnati. Then they have three on the road in Philadelphia. That could be a toss-up. Then they'll have four in Miami. They should probably take three of four from there. If it's not, it's a failure of a series. Do you agree? And where do the Giants stand right now? I think they've just been hurt a little bit by bad injury luck early in the season. And like they've, for instance, I think it's 13 or 14 more games against teams above 500 than like the Dodgers have played. For instance, I'm not saying they're better than the Dodgers, just in terms of how difficult the schedule has basically been to start off. And then you have the Padres. That, that was kind of the first time where because they were swept and dominated in that series that I started to question like, oh man, am I so sure this is a playoff team? I still think it is. They have the two big wins against the Mets to close out the series. Uh, the one that finished off the series, they were just bopping home runs left and right. And the first win in the second game of that series was maybe the game of the year so far in the MLB. Uh, the Giants go up eight to four, Mets crawl back. They take a late lead. Jock Peterson hits three home runs. The game's tied. And then the Giants end up winning 13 to 12 in extra innings. And get this, with Jock Peterson getting hot again, because he was hot to start, then he got kind of injured, and then he went cooled off. He was like five of his last 50. Um, he's hit four home runs over the last two games over the Mets. He apparently, in the game that he hit three home runs, um, he was just talking with Barry Bonds, who happy, happened to be at the game. And they just talked for so long that he lost track of time. He didn't even do his game warm-ups. And then it was 15 minutes before the game. He just quickly put on his uniform, went out there, and hit three bombs. So I guess the moral of the story uh, don't practice. 
Talk to Barry Bonds. That's going to get you everything you need right there. Yeah, he looked really good. He had the clutch base hit in that game, too. That was definitely, so far, the number one game of the year at this time. And moving on to the fourth-place team. Now, this has been a flip back and forth each and every week, it seems like, Derek. Last week, the Diamondbacks, they were in last place. This week, the time of recording, in fourth place. They're one game over 500, 23 and 22. Now, they were swept in four games at L.A. At that time, they were on a trendy path of winning, and uh, they looked like a pretty competitive team. That might have put them in their place a little bit. And then they went right back to Chicago, and they win three of four. Then they sweep two games against the Royals. So, actually, pretty impressive response to that series against L.A. They're going to have to respond yet again. They will face the Dodgers at home in a series for four games. They will then host the Braves as well for three. Then they will head on the road to Pittsburgh for three. Are we ever going to figure out this team? Because I cannot figure them out for the life of me. No, starting pitching got beat up last week, too, which had been their strength so far. The bullpen has struggled. I will say, though, uh, Christian Walker, like he's hitting below the Mendoza line. A lot of power, though. OPS is good. If you look at his baseball savant page, it is littered with wine droplets, just red everywhere. Uh, Pavin Smith, former first-round pick, has looked good. So the fact that they're even hanging around above 500, good for them. Dalton Varsho has looked like a true pro at the plate right now. A team that's really hard to take seriously would be the Colorado Rockies. At this time, the Rockies, the only team under 500 in the division, 20 and 23. Two of their last four, they fell two of three to the Giants. They fell two of three to the Mets. Then they fell two of three on the road to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have four on the road at the Nationals. They have three at home against the Marlins and four versus the Braves. It's hard to figure out this team outside of C.J. Crone, and maybe the only other positive takeaway is Brendan Rodgers is starting to hit the ball well. Yeah, can we give some uh, just do for C.J. Crone? I know we have before, but this dude is just absolutely raking. He continues to rake, and, you know, is, is some of it brought up by the fact that he gets to play in Coors Field? Of course it is. Um, but he's still been awesome so far. And, you know, if, if you were to extrapolate his season out to a 162-game season, these are the numbers that would pop up for him. Um, 45 home runs, 124 RBI, 38 doubles, 200 hits. I mean, just phenomenal stuff from C.J. Crone. He's been really fun to watch, and he had a home run on the road in Pittsburgh. So uh, you know that he can maybe do it away from Coors Field. Okay, well, we have arrived at our freeway exit. Derek, at this time, any final thoughts on where we stand with the NL West? Uh, didn't bring this up with the Giants, but if you look at their, like, FIP, it's one of the best in the entire uh, MLB. Their ERA is one of the lowest. So I think there's a correction coming, and always, always get fries. Always get fries. That's the new saying right there. I'm going to say you got to keep an eye on the Padres right now without Tatis for a little bit longer. It sounds like, according to multiple reports, that he will be out until at least mid to late June. Um, he's just getting starting back in workouts. So I'm a little concerned on that front, but it seems like the Padres don't really care. They're still finding ways to win games. They could be really scary down the road when Tatis returns. Okay, that will do it for the state of the NL West for week six. On behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on the Best Coast.